how to restore your peace of mind. You know, when you speak of peace, in, in Hebrew, the word peace is shalom. Shalom. Every time I visit Israel, when I meet people in Israel, they say shalom. I have some friends over there in Israel. I have some friends in Jerusalem. They will say, Abraham, shalom. Shalom. And we have some conversation, we talk, and after we have talked, when I leave, they will say, shalom. Shalom is used in Israel when you greet someone, and also when you leave, it's another way of saying farewell, fare thee well. What does shalom mean? Shalom means peace. In actual fact, we don't have an English word for shalom. We don't have an English word for shalom. Shalom, it's a combo word. It involves a lot of things. It, it's only the, the Hebrew-speaking people who understand the word shalom. In English, it's very difficult to have one word for the word shalom. Shalom, it means peace. Shalom, it means harmony. Shalom, it means wholeness. It means completeness. It means nothing missing. It means prosperity. It means welfare. It means tranquility. And it can be used both to say hello or to say goodbye. So when you say shalom to someone, you are saying, I wish you peace. I pray for harmony in your life. I pray for wholeness in your life. I pray for completeness in your life. I pray for prosperity in your life. I wish you well, welfare. I wish you tranquility in life. That's what shalom means. But in English, we only have word peace. And it does not mean everything. It means, it's missing a lot. And today I want us to focus on that word shalom. How can you restore that shalom in your life? Shalom in your relationship. Shalom in your ministry. Shalom at your job. Shalom in your life. Shalom at home. Every time you see or you hear me mention the word shalom, just know, or peace, just know that I'm talking about shalom. Shalom. Shalom does not mean the absence of war, but shalom means the presence of God. The presence of God. Shalom does not mean the absence of conflict. Shalom means the presence of God. The peace of God. The peace that only God can give. The peace that the Bible says, Jesus is the prince of that peace. Jesus is the prince of shalom. In other words, without Jesus, there is no shalom. You can't get that shalom from anywhere else. You can't buy that shalom from Vons. You can't that, buy that shalom from, uh, from Clicks. You can't buy that shalom from OK. You can't buy that shalom from Walmart. You can't buy that shalom from your church. You can't buy that shalom even from your bishop. You can't buy that shalom from anywhere else. Jesus has not outsourced the shalom. There is no tender for providing shalom. Nobody else can give you the shalom. It's only found in Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And that shalom can only be experienced the day you start to learn to forgive other people. You remember what I said? You can't have peace until you learn to forgive. You have to understand that people will wrong you. People will offend you. People will not, will not always act right. 
We just need to respond in a right way. We need to respond in a Christian way. Instead of being offended, angry, and bitter, we need to respond the way God wants us to respond. Our peace, our shalom, will come the day we learn to forgive other people. You know, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible says, therefore bear fruits worthy of your repentance. When you say you have repented, one of the expectations is you must learn to forgive. You must learn to forgive. And I want us to look at a very interesting passage. All of us who are familiar with this story. It's not a new story. It's a story that we are familiar with. And the story is found in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. And the event in Luke chapter 7 features an unknown sinful woman. There is no name for this woman. And it takes place in the northern region. Remember the northern region? The northern region, that's the Galilee area. The Capernaum uh, city. And this story, it indicates Jesus as a man or a God who wants people to have peace in their lives. Now, in Luke chapter 7, verse 36, we find a very interesting story. Here we find a story of a man called Simon. Simon. This Simon was a Pharisee, and I'm going to talk about the Pharisees in the next minute or so. And I'll spend some time talking about the Pharisees. One day, this Pharisee invited Jesus to come to his house to have dinner with him. And the Bible says, while he had, he had, he had dinner with Jesus and his family, here comes a woman in that town. Verse 37 says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life. And the Bible speaks of a sinful life. She was a prostitute in short. She was a prostitute in that city. Everybody knew her as a prostitute. And she learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. She came there with a very expensive perfume. Verse 38, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured the perfume on her. Verse 39, and we'll come back to 39. I'm going to talk about that also. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he will know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. And she's a sinner. She's a prostitute. I mean, he, everybody in the village knew, everybody in town knew that this woman is a prostitute. How can Jesus, who claims to be Messiah, who claims to be God, he does not know, he's not aware hmm, that she's a prostitute. In other words, if he was aware, he's supposed to react in a particular way. He's supposed to reject the hair. But it looks like he does not know. Verse 40, the Bible says, And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Verse 41, two people who owed money to a certain uh, money lender. One owed him 500 denarii. That's a 500 uh, maybe 500 rands or 500, uh, you know, dollars or 500, whatever money you use at your, your currency you use at your, 
at your place, it's okay. Whatever currency you use. And the other 50. Verse 42. Neither of them had the money to pay back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Verse 43. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus said, you have judged correctly. Verse 44. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. Number one, you did not give me any water for my feet. But you wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Verse 45, you did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. Verse 46. You did not put oil on my head, but she has put perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. And that's what I wanted us to focus on. Her many sins have been forgiven. In other words, God has forgiven her. I have forgiven her. But you still hold on to her past. You still hold on to the grudge. You still know her as a sinner. You still know her as a prostitute. And Jesus says, I have forgiven her. As a great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Verse 48. Then Jesus said to him, your sins are forgiven. I don't know how many people that God has forgiven. And you are behaving like this Pharisee. You have not forgiven them yet. And God says, this man has satisfied the requirements for my forgiveness. And you come up and say, yes, Lord, you have forgiven him, but he has not, he has not met the requirement for my forgiveness. I will not forgive him. I will not forgive her. You are behaving like that Pharisee. Jesus says, this woman has been forgiven. And I thank God that God does not consult with us when he wants to forgive someone. Whether you have forgiven that person or not, God has forgiven that person. God's forgiveness for other people does not depend on you. Does not depend on your attitude. You know, verse 49, the Bible says, the other guests began to say among themselves, who is he, this who, who is this who even forgives sins? Verse 50, and that's what we're going to close with. Verse 50, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in shalom. Hmm. Go in shalom. Now this story, it's only found in the book of Luke. There is another similar story in other gospels, but it's not the same story. The other story is about the woman who brought the fragrance when they had dinner at Simon the leper. Remember Simon the leper who had the beach house? So Simon the leper is different from Simon the Pharisee. Here we're focusing on Simon the Pharisee. You know, the other gospel that talks about the woman who anointed Jesus was that of Mary of Bethany. Mary, Mary was the sister of Martha and Lazarus. You know, Martha and Lazarus, the story of uh, John chapter 11. She anoints the head of Jesus. So all these stories are different. They're not the same story. They're not the same story. And I know of some preachers who always confuse these stories and they think it's the same story. So this story takes place at the home of a man called Simon. In Hebrew, Simon, it's Shimon. Shimon. And this, this guy, he was, 
He was a Pharisee. You know, you'll never have peace until you understand other people's situations. You'll have peace in your life when you worship God more than you complain. Let's look at the difference between the two. The Pharisee was complaining. The woman was worshiping God, was worshiping Christ because she has been forgiven. And towards the end, Jesus says, this woman has peace. This woman has the shalom of God. This Pharisee only saw the bad in the woman. He only saw her failures. He only saw her sins. He could not go beyond her sins. And that is the reason he never had peace in his heart. The day you start to understand what is going on in the lives of other people and this woman, you will have peace. When you see someone praise God, you see someone love God and worship God the way they do. Jesus says it's based on how they have experienced God's forgiveness. Your level of praise, your level of worship, your level of appreciation will be equal to your level of forgiveness. Will be equal to the level of the forgiveness that you have experienced in your life. Look at how God has forgiven you and you think about what he has done in your life, then you'll be more thankful. Then you'll be more worshiping. You'll be more praising because of what God has done in your life. You'll be like this woman who was overwhelmed with the joy, the excitement, and the peace of God because of what God has done in her life. And to help us understand the context of what Jesus is dealing with here, I want us to understand who these Pharisees were. When you speak of the Pharisees, who are these Pharisees? I want us to understand, and I pray that none of you, none of us will behave like a Pharisee. I pray that we'll have genuine faith in Christ. You know, Pharisees were a sect within Judaism or a group within Judaism. You know, they, they were distinguished by being very strict in observing the written law. This was a very influential uh, religious group. Religious sect within Judaism, you know, it's like the same thing we have also as Christians, just like we have different denominations within Christianity. That is the same thing with Judaism. You know, we have full gospel church, we have apostolic faith mission church, we have the Nazarene church, we have assemblies of God church, we have your church, we have New Day Christian Fellowship. You know, they had different sects within Judaism, and the Pharisees were one of those sects. And the term Pharisee, it simply means one who is separate. One who is separate. A Pharisee, it's one who is separate. It refers to their separation from the Gentiles. They said we are different from the Gentiles and we are also different from the other Jews. You know, Luke chapter 18, verse 11. The Bible says, and the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God. I thank you that I am not like other people. <laughs> I'm separate from other people. They are robbers. They are evildoers. They are adulterers. Or even like this, this one, this text collector who is praying with me here. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. It sounds like some Christians that I know. Go to their Facebook page. They will show you how much they give. 
how much they believe in tithing, how much they fast, how many times they fast. They participate in the January fasting. They show you day one, day two, day three, day four, day 21. I don't know. But to me, it sounds like this verse of the Pharisees. You know, Matthew chapter 23, Jesus talks about the Pharisees. And he says they like loading authority over people. The Pharisees were attention seekers. They, they, they liked, you know, public recognition. They wanted everybody to know what they are doing. They wanted everybody to know that they are good Christians. They, they, they wanted everybody to know them. And they were strict to the law while neglecting the weightier of the law, like justice and mercy. Go to Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Jesus talked about that. These guys, they were fake. They were fake. They were focusing on observing the Mosaic law. All they wanted was to be right at all times. No, there's nothing wrong with being right. But sometimes you have to focus on doing the right thing than being right. You know, just like if someone is injured on the Sabbath day and needs to be taken to the hospital, if you are living with a Pharisee, the Pharisee will not take you to the hospital because they have to observe Sabbath. You know, just like if you have a friend who is a Pharisee and you are driving and you have a heart attack or you have some heart issues, instead of rushing you to the hospital, if the speed limit is 60, he will just ride below 60. Because he wants to observe the law. You will hate to be in the car driven by a Pharisee on your way to the hospital. They pay great deal of attention to outward display, outward appearances and actions that will make them look righteous to the people. They believe that they, you know, they are better than other people. They like exposing other people's failures. They like exposing other people's sins and weaknesses. They will always compare themselves with other people. The only author and finisher of our faith is Christ, brothers and sisters. He's the only one that we should compare our, our righteousness with. You know, Romans chapter 3, verse 22 and 20, up to 24, the Bible says this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ, not through our works. And it's given to all those who believe there's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. So the Pharisees were wrong in this case. Verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, these guys, they were not really concerned about their righteousness in their hearts. All they wanted was to compare themselves with others, and they will feel better because they are better than other people. And they will always feel like they are better than other Christians. They are better than other denominations. They are better, better than other churches. And for this reason, Jesus referred to them as hypocrites. We said they are hypocrites. Let me say this to you, brothers and sisters. John chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says, But as many as received him, to him he gave them the right, the authority to become children of God. There are some people who think they are better than other people. And that's why they have no peace in their lives. Once you get saved, you, have, you become a child of God. Your sonship comes with certain rights and authority. Just like your citizenship. 
When you are a citizen of USA, the citizen of South Africa, you have a right to get an ID, you have a right to, to, to get a passport. As though you are a citizen of that nation, you have a right to vote. All of us, we have the same rights because we are all equal citizens. We are all the same. All of us, we are born sinners. It does not matter where you were born. When you accept Christ in our hearts, as our Lord and our Savior, we all get saved, equally saved. Your position in Christ is that you are a child of God. It does not matter who you are at the church, whether you have a position or you have no position in your church, it means nothing. We are all equally saved. And I want to say this to our African brothers and sisters. Nobody is more saved than you. I want to assure you, I want to give you that confidence. Nobody is more saved than you. People who feel like you know, they received a higher grade salvation than you, they are Pharisees. They feel like they, they, they are VIPs in the kingdom. Let me say this to you, my sister. Don't undermine your salvation. God loves all of us the same way. He listens to our prayers, all of us the same way. At the feet of the cross, we are all equal. At the feet of the cross, we are all the same. Do not allow anyone, do not allow any preacher, do not allow any prophet, do not allow any chairperson, do not allow any treasurer, do not allow any church elder or church leader, do not allow any bishop, do not allow any archbishop or major prophet or minor prophet or anyone to give you an impression that you have, you, you, you have lesser access to God than him. Don't allow him to give you or to convince you that they have a backdoor access to heaven. Nobody, nobody, nobody. You also have equal access to heaven like anybody else. All of us, we are equally saved. Don't believe those Pharisees. They're not better than you. All of us, we are equally saved. We are not all equally mature, but we are all equally saved. It is like in your family. All your siblings belong to your family the same way. You may not be of the same age, but all of them, they belong to that family. If you are born in South Africa, you are as much a South African like any other South African. Nobody has better citizenship than you. There is no prophet, there is no bishop who has better access to God than you. Please do not be gullible to all of these teachings that elevate some individuals than others in the kingdom. That is a Pharisee spirit. These Pharisees, they opposed Jesus because they wanted to maintain their own religious power. Just like some of these guys that I know, that we all know about, who want to maintain their religious superiority in the church by trying to convince you that you have a second grade or a second class salvation. You don't have a second grade salvation. You don't have a second class salvation. Your salvation is first class, my brother. Your salvation is first class, my sister. You must have that confidence in God. God listens to your prayers like any other person. No, they try to convince you that God listens to them more than he listens to you. That is not true. I know of someone who even started charging people for prayers. They charge a fee for praying for you. Because they convince you that they have more access to God than you. Please do not fall into that trap. Please, please. You have access to God just like anybody else. If your child is sick at 12 midnight at 3 a.m., you have a right to lay hands upon your child and your child shall be healed in the name of Jesus. 
in the name of Jesus. God listens and honors your prayers, just like me, just like anyone else, just like your bishop, just like your prophet. God loves us all equally. Do not allow the spirit of the Pharisees in your life. Jesus rejected these Pharisees for their religious uh, uh, superiority complex. You know, in this story, at the end, the Pharisee was left confused. And the woman, the Bible says, was left with the peace of God. Simon the Pharisee, he left confused. But God showed love to this woman. Yeah, the woman was broken. She started crying at the feet of Jesus. She had no towel to, to wipe his feet. And she used her hair to wipe the, her tears. This is a woman who was known as a prostitute in that village, in that area. Remember, this woman was well known everywhere. They knew her as a prostitute. But she heard that there is Jesus in the neighborhood. And she went there. And she started touching Jesus. She rubbed her, her oil on his feet. I could imagine some people started to wonder, hmm, why, why does this woman know Jesus? Where, where, did, where did they meet? Where did she see him before? Now she's coming here because she's broken. She's a broken woman. All she needs is forgiveness. You know, she has not seen a man like Jesus before. All she has seen all the men just she has, she has experienced. These are men who have abused her, men who took advantage of her weakness, men who have abused her and did what they wanted to do with her and they rejected her and threw her back to the street. That is all that she has known about men. And here we see Jesus, he does not push her away. She's broken. She's remorseful. And she has repentance. And for the first time, she meets a man, a man, a man who does not judge her. She meets a man who does not abuse her. She meets a man who does not take advantage of her. She meets a man who does not reject her. She meets a man who genuinely loves her. She's already a broken woman. And she's flooded with emotions. I mean, if you had a personal experience with God, some of you can relate with this woman. When you know where you were before, when you truly understand where you are today, when you understand that if it was not for his forgiveness, you will not be where you are today. If it was not for his forgiveness, some of you will not be sleeping at home tonight. If it was not for his forgiveness, some of you will have no job today. If it was not for his forgiveness, you will, be in that, you will not be in that marriage relationship today. And true repentance results in the recognition of how much you have been forgiven. And she's experiencing remorse. She's experiencing repentance. She's experiencing regret in her heart for her sins. On the other hand, she's experiencing the love and acceptance and admiration from the Lord Jesus. And this is the only, the only man who could took her, who could take her and, and look at her and say, I love you. Genuinely so. Look at her and say, I forgive you. No matter where you came from, no matter what you did, I forgive you. 
And here is Simon, the Pharisee. All he sees is a prostitution. All he sees is a failure, a moral failure. All he sees is a background. And Jesus says, I forgive you. And, and that mixture of emotions, of shame and regret, that is bound by the love of God. She had an encounter with someone who understands her. And we see Simon, who is very judgmental and a rejecter. Simon, the Pharisee, did not understand what was going on here. Verse 39, let's go back to verse 39. Verse 39, the Bible says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he will know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. The Bible says he, they did not mention it, do say it, but he, he was saying it inside his mind. Brothers and sisters, Jesus knows our thoughts. He knows what you are thinking right now. He knows what you are thinking. He knows your plans. He knows where you are going. He knows what, what you think you want to do in your life. God knows everything about us. Verse 40, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Verse 41, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. This sounds like my story. This sounds like your story. This sounds like me. It sounds like you. Who couldn't, who couldn't pay God back? So he forgave them, the debts, both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Your, your, your level of commitment to the things of God, your level of commitment to the ministry, your level of commitment to your church, your level of commitment to Christ, it's based on your understanding of how much you have been forgiven. Verse 43, Simon replied, I suppose the one with the bigger debt for, forgiven. And Jesus says, you have judged correctly. Your love for God and his people will be directly proportional to how much you have been forgiven, my brother. If you don't love God much, it is not because you have not been forgiven. It might mean that you have not been forgiven much or you do not see how much you have been forgiven. It is because you do not understand your need to be forgiven much. I'm still amazed at how Jesus could be able to relate with both extremes. The prostitute was, was extreme to the left. And the Pharisee was an extreme right wing. Jesus could relate with Simon the, the Pharisee and even went to, to have dinner at his house. And he could relate to the prostitute at the same time. I mean, as Christians, we need to strike the balance so that we don't become irrelevant to people. This Pharisee, I mean, I mean, he knew the law like nobody's business. The Pharisees, they knew the law. But still, 
They could not relate well with people. They could not relate well with the society. They could not understand people's situations. It is possible to be a Christian who is to the extreme, who fails to understand people's situations. You think you are better than anyone else. You, you have that Pharisee spirit. You know all the, the, the worship songs in the church, and you think you have all the answers in this world. You know your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You, you, can't, you can't humble yourself. You can't listen to anybody else. You faithfully do your devotions without fail. Yes, you pay your tithe every month without fail. To me, that's, that's being religious. You even participate in the, in the January fasting or whatever fasting that we have. You, you, even, you, you are so proud about it. And those who do not participate, you look at them like, hmm, this sinner, this prostitute, this thief, this drunkard, this smoker, I mean, you attend all the men's fellowship, you attend all the women's conferences, you attend all the youth Bible studies and conferences, but you can hardly relate with people. You can't evangelize to people around you because you, you are too, too holy for them. You are too holy to speak to them. You are like this Pharisee. Some Christians can't even attend the funeral of an unbeliever. Because they do not want to be contaminated. This is pure hypocrisy. Pure hypocrisy. How can you witness to people that you do not want them next to you? If you're not careful, if you're not careful, you'll call yourself a Christian, but fellowshipping with the Pharisees. You need to understand people's struggles. Jesus was able to relate with both of them because he understood the struggles of this woman. Not everyone around you will do the right thing. And that's very important to understand. Not everybody around you will do the right thing always. You have to find a way to relate with people's struggles and their pain. Some people have wronged you because of what is going on deep down in their lives. Some people did not deliberately hurt you. You need to be like Jesus. You need to understand that the prostitute that you see right at the corner, in the street, in your city, in your town, she does not enjoy what she is doing. I know, I know she may tell you that she's enjoying it. They, they may talk like that in the media, in public and everywhere, but let me tell you, they are not enjoying that. She does not have peace. She does not have the shalom in her heart. You start to have peace and the shalom when you come to Christ. She wants to be free like anybody else. She wants freedom, but she does not know how. When she sees you passing with your husband, she feels the pain of being rejected. She thinks of someone who abused her last night and rejected her the next morning. She wishes she was in your, in your position. At least there is someone who accepts you. There is someone who loves you. There is someone who takes you as you are. To an extent of being willing to live with you. Brothers and sisters, people are going through things in life. Things in life. And we have to develop a mindset of forgiveness. A mindset of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a mindset that we should develop in our lives. Not everyone has, the, has a forgiving mindset. We need to develop a forgiving mindset. 
and decide on how we will respond before people offend us. Let's not behave like that Pharisee. Let's not behave like that Pharisee. We have to do what is right. We have to do what is right. We have to make the right decisions. God wants us to be predetermined. Forgive us. God wants us to be predetermined. Forgive us. You make up your mind even before it happens and say, I want to be a forgiver. I want to forgive people. And before we pray, let me say, you must develop a heart of gratitude. Develop a heart of gratitude. Every day that you are alive is a gift from God. And you should acknowledge him. The fact that you are saved, it's a gift from God. Salvation is a gift from God. You need to be thankful to God. Don't be boastful. Don't think you are better than other people. You are not better than anyone else. You are not better than that homeless person in the park or in the street. You are not better than them. Don't behave like the Pharisees who always think they are better than other people. You are not better than that drunkard in the street. All of us are saved by grace. And grace alone. Not our works. Not our goodness. Not because we are better than other people. It's because God gave us grace. And he forgave us. And at the end he says. I gave you grace. I gave you forgiveness. Go. And give it to other people. Go. And show forgiveness. To other people. And because of that attitude. Of being willing to forgive. Because of that attitude. Of being willing to be thankful to God. Verse 50, the Bible says, Then Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. When you start to learn to forgive, you will go in peace. And I want to say this to you, my brother, my sister. Shalom. Let's pray.